0: Well, stand with me all over the room We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 21 If you have your Bibles, if not is going to have it on the screen for you Matthew chapter 21 We're going to be reading 11 verses I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version If you go ahead and grab the lights for us Matthew chapter 21 Verses 1 through 11 Now when they drew near Jerusalem And came to Bethphage At the Mount of Olives Then Jesus sent two disciples Saying to them Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. "'Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey.' "'So the disciples went, and they did as Jesus commanded them. "'They brought the donkey and the colt, "'they laid their clothes on them and set him upon them. "'And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. "'Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. "'Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, "'saying, Hosanna to the Son of David!' Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I want to preach to you for a few moments on this Palm Sunday. Question of the day. Who is this? Question of the day. Who is this? If you will, one more time, stretch your hands toward heaven. All over the room. Pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are our king this morning. And we thank you that our king is known by love. Father, I pray for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance, Lord, every distraction. From this service, you would anoint every ear to hear your word, every heart to receive your word. Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay that are imperfect, God, and unworthy this morning. You would anoint them, Lord, mightily that I would not speak my words or with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but your word would come forth today in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. And, Lord, I pray today before we leave this place, every single one of us will leave here answering this question of who. Is this we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word today in advance? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. According to the gospel of Matthew, Palm Sunday was the first time Jesus ever appeared in this great bustling city of Jerusalem. Jesus knew that his ministry would not be complete and his mission would not be successful unless and until he took the gospel message from the small town of Galilee in the northern part of Israel and declared it in the great temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the largest temple was. It was known as the great temple. And Jesus had spent three years preaching and teaching and healing throughout uh, all the small and sometimes what we would refer to as the remote towns of Capernaum, Nazareth, and Bethsaida. And just like a basketball player, if you will, who wants to be a first round NBA draft Or just like an entertainer uh, who knows their career is not complete until they make it to Broadway in New York Or like as they say on American Idol, you're going to Hollywood, right? Just like those people knew those things had to be completed in order to get them where they wanted to go Jesus knew that he had to take his message to the great. City of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was where every new idea and every new philosophy had to end up sooner or later. If you were to study the trajectory of the New Testament, it begins in small towns such as Nazareth. Bethlehem, Capernaum, and Bethsaida. But the road ahead always seems to be pointing to a more critical site in which the drama of this story could fully uh, and finally unfold. And there is absolutely no question about the fact that the key to the gospel message, uh, being able to reach the ends of the earth as commanded in Matthew chapter 28, the key to that happening was that Jesus must first take, the gospel to Jerusalem. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem for the very same reason that Paul knew that he had to go to Athens. And then the Lord told him from Athens he had to go to Ephesus. And then from Ephesus he had to go on to Rome. The gospel had to be declared in the places that served as the crossroads of culture and ideas. And the message had to be preached in places where the world was always coming and going so that people who heard the message Could take the message with them wherever they went And coming to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday Was not a casual occurrence It was a very strategic decision In the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ And it was necessary It was a necessary first step, if you will In the process of global evangelization Now I want to tell you Things are not very different today From where they were back then When it comes to providing Maximum exposure for any idea that you might want to put forward. Uh, I just recently became a licensed real estate agent. And if you want to sell a piece of property by yourself on Zillow, you can do that. But the only people that's going to see it for sale by owner are the people that look you up in Zillow. But if you hire a licensed real estate agent, where's my broker at this morning? She'd be proud of me. She's in Louisville, I think. But anyway, she ain't here this morning. Uh, but if you hire a licensed real estate agent, then uh, if, if I'm associated with Elbar, which is the Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors, when it's listed with somebody who's a licensed agent, it gets maximum exposure. It's sent automatically out to 90 different websites, uh, all of those different things. Maximum exposure. Just remember that. That's the only reason I told you about that this morning. In Kentucky, for example, if you had a message that you wanted to share with the widest possible audience in the state of Kentucky, would you share it only in Corbin? Only in London, only in Williamsburg, and only in Barberville? Or would you try to take it somewhere larger like Lexington or Louisville where it's busier and the people are more and the traffic is bustling. I was in Lexington yesterday. It was busy. Trust me. Uh, And and the culture is constantly exchanging and it's more frequent in those larger cities. Uh, I want to give you another example. If you want to run an ad in the newspaper in the hope of reaching The widest possible audience There's nothing wrong with these papers But would you put it in the local Times Tribune And the news journal Or would you try to run it in the Lexington Herald Leader or the Courier Journal So that it would get a much Wider distribution What are you saying this morning pastor I'm saying there's nothing wrong with small towns There's nothing wrong with small Newspapers there's nothing wrong with Small churches but getting a message Out is simply A matter of efficiency and and impact. It is quite often a fact that the right word preached to the right people who are situated in just the right place at the right time can have a major impact on society. Why do you think when Jesus uh, went to the woman at the well, he didn't have to go through Samaria, but when they were on their way to where they were going, the Lord spoke to him, the Spirit spoke to him, and he told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. What are you saying this morning, Pastor? I'm saying it's all right to preach the gospel in Corbin. It's all right to preach the gospel in London. It's all right to preach the gospel in Weemsburg. Jesus preached it in Capernaum. He preached it in Bethsaida. He preached it in Nazareth. But then he realized that, that doesn't the butt doesn't stop here. The word of God needs to be carried to the four corners of the world: the north, the south, the east, and the west. The gospel must be preached. Howard Thurman, who was the he actually served as a dean on the West Coast for many years but then he became the dean of the Marsh Chapel at Boston University from 1953 to 1965. And his his leadership, Howard Thurman, shaped an entire generation of civil rights activists. He mentored many of them. As a matter of fact, he was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. He co-founded the first major interracial and interdenominational church in the United States. And Thurman explained why he left his church in San Francisco in order to assume this new preaching responsibility all the way over on the East Coast. He said he went to the place, listen to this, where he thought he would have "quote unquote" the maximum possibility of contagion. He went to the place where he thought his words and his actions could reach the widest possible audience and have the greatest possible impact. Jesus himself seems to have understood the principle of maximum contagion. So on this day that we now refer to as Palm Sunday, Jesus left behind places such as Nazareth, Capernaum, and Bethany, and he marched his followers on toward Jerusalem. He had the right message. Say amen, somebody. Jesus had the right message and he was in the right place to preach it if he wanted to reach the widest possible audience. Can I tell you this morning, I thank God where we've been. I thank God where we've come from. I thank God for the people that God, that God sent here and added here while we were in Bethany, if you will. I thank God for the people that God sent here while we were uh, spiritually speaking in Nazareth, if you will. I thank God for the people that God is sent here while we were in Capernaum if you will but the buck doesn't stop here we don't reach a certain point where we stop preaching and declaring the gospel message until everybody around us has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ now listen when we were first placed on American greeting card road first of all today let me say this the uh, outreach team is going to be canvassing this community for the first time at what time you meeting? Three, they're meeting at 2.50 and they're leaving at 3, I think is what I saw. The first time we've canvassed this community since we've been here. We've been here six months now, believe it or not. But when we first went to, and you may say, why, why are you doing that? There, there are churches up and down this street. When we first went to our facility uh, on American Greeting Card Road in December of 2013, in the spring of 2014... We did a canvassing of our community. You could have drawn a small circle around the church, walking distance from the church. And do you know that when we located there, we were the ninth church on that road. There are nine churches, and there's one in our place now. There are nine churches on American Greeting Card Road. And our outreach team went out. And here's what I told them. I said, if you knock on a door and somebody says they go to this church or that church, tell them that's wonderful, build their church up, tell them you'll pray for them, ask them to pray for us, and move on. If you knock on a door and somebody tells you they don't go to church, invite them to church. If you have an opportunity, share the gospel of Jesus. Do you know what we found? On a Saturday, in four hours, on a Saturday, I'm telling you, when I say you could draw a small circle, there was apartment complexes uh, all around us. Uh, Where we're located here, there's a huge apartment complex at the top of that hill right behind us you could have drawn a small circle in walking distance in four hours they knocked on over 400 doors on a road where there were nine churches and do you know how many people told them they were affiliated with the church only 100 homes three out of four doors they knocked on were not affiliated with a church anywhere do you think for one second That God remotely picked us up from where we were and blessed us the way he did to set us here where we are now. For us to sit quiet within these four walls and keep it for our four and no more. No. Thank God for Bethany. Thank God for Capernaum. Thank God for Nazareth. But now it's time to take the gospel all around us till every single person has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. See... We can discover something about the people of Jerusalem as we look at the Palm Sunday narrative here in Matthew. This story boils down to an encounter between two different kinds of groups of people. See, some in the crowd who knew who Jesus was. And they had heard all the stories about him. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday, this first group of people responded by crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now. Let me put that in relative terms for you today. When you come to church now, some of y'all think there ain't no point in me worshiping like I do. Some of y'all might think there ain't no point in somebody else worshiping the way they do. But those people, those people that really know Jesus... Really remember where they were when Jesus found them? Really remember what it was that Jesus did for them? Those are the kind of people when we assemble together to worship, those are the people that are saying, Hosanna, glory to God, praise His name forevermore. Those are the people that are thankful for where He brought them from. You might say, that's not my nature to worship like that. That's okay until I see you at the ball game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's okay till I see you when it's your baby out there on the court or the field. Hello, somebody. Help me preach. And you're just cheering and clapping and jumping up and down. And you'd fight the ref with a toothpick if you had to. Right? I want to tell you something. If that's the way you are in the ball game but you don't get excited and you don't get moved when you begin to think about what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did for you you better check your experience out this morning if you don't get excited and if you're not ready to fight the devil at the drop of a hat when you see him attacking somebody else in your family you better check your experience this morning because the God I serve is able to save and heal and deliver to the uttermost but I know because he did it for me I said I know because he did it for me and Therefore I cannot be quieted down I'm not going to back up I'm not going to shut up And I'm not going to give up I'm going to give God praise every chance I get That was one of those kinds of people that were represented there Then there were others in Jerusalem that day Who really had no idea who Jesus was And they were probably the overwhelming majority of the residents and Maybe even the religious pilgrims, if you will, of that city. And their response was not to line his path with palm branches and lay out their garments for him to, to ride across on. Their response was dismissive and maybe even full of contempt when they said, Who is this? See, on the one hand, Matthew says there were people who were literally laying their garments on the ground and tearing off branches from trees to create a kind of red carpet arrival for Jesus, for the man that they believed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, And even if they didn't believe that, they at least believed that he was the son of David, uh, an earthly king who would uh, overthrow the Romans and reestablish Israel to its former glory as it enjoyed in the days of David and Solomon. And these were the people who were making all the noise when Jesus came into town. They were the people making all the uproar. They were welcoming the change they thought Jesus' arrival was about to create. Can I tell you that those are the people who make all the noise today. Those people who really know who Jesus is. But on the other hand, there were the sophisticated, dignified citizens of this bustling city of Jerusalem who really had no idea what was going on on that day And it might be hard for us to believe this today In this world we live in of global communications Where you can bring the most remote locations on earth Right into your living room if you want to You can uh, even bring church this morning Right into your living room And watch it on your couch Drinking your coffee in your PJs Somebody help me preach this morning We love you if that's you But we'd love to see you here We'd love to see you here And I'm looking at it right now You're on there, amen, Hallelujah But there were, after all there were 12 gates, understand this, there were 12 gates into the city of Jerusalem. And depending on which gate that you entered, it was possible for most people in the city to have no idea that anything else was going on across town. And most of those people who observed the events of Palm Sunday had no idea who was at the center of all this commotion that was going on. And I imagine some of the Pharisees had heard rumors about Jesus concerning his teachings. And his miracles. I also imagine that a few Roman officials had been keeping their eyes on Jesus during those preceding three years as the crowds that began to follow him grew larger and larger. And if you had asked the average Jerusalem citizen about this man who rode into town sitting on a donkey, they would have never associated this fact with the prophecy that was foretold before of this very event. So you got to understand, not everybody in the town was shouting Hosanna. And for many people in that ancient city, the only response to their procession was, Who is this? Can I tell you this morning? Listen to me for just a moment. Week in and week out. There are people that enter into this building that don't fully understand who Jesus is. But you hear your pastor when I tell you this morning, they're watching you. I said, they're watching you. When you're praising and you're worshiping and you're thinking, I've seen it happen time and time again and I thank God for it. People that will sit back and they'll watch and they'll observe and then finally they'll decide, I'm not exactly sure what he's got or I'm not exactly sure what she's got but they begin to move a little bit closer. I think I'd like to have a little bit of it myself. What has Jesus done for them? If Jesus has done it for them, then surely Jesus can do it for me. I came to tell you, this morning. Don't you ever let the rocks cry out in your place because there's a world around you that's watching and listening to see what Jesus has done in your life. And in order to enter into this text that we're in today, you got to use your imagination just a little bit and wonder about the tone of voice in which This question was being asked. It could have been asked a couple different ways, and I believe it was. And how many knows you can tell a lot about what people think simply by listening to their tone of voice? Right? While I'm on that, this is not my notes. It's free. It costs you nothing. But how many knows you can easily misinterpret the tone of a text? So when you get one of those, just don't text back. Pick up the phone and call them and say, I love you, brother, sister. What are you trying to say to me? Now, be prepared though. Depends on their age. You'll call them back. They will not answer the phone. They will immediately text you back and say, are you trying to call me? Yeah. That's a, I don't have time to get into that today. It's a different sermon. You can tell a lot about what people think when you listen to their tone of voice. I think there's two possibilities when it comes to this question of who is this that I want us to consider today. On one hand, it might have been a tone of contempt and derision. As if they were looking down on Jesus as this country boy who was not ready for the big city. So you got to remember, he wasn't dressed in the latest fashions. He wasn't moving about in the swagger or the confidence of the great leaders that they frequently saw moving through their city. After all, Jesus was dressed that morning in common robes. Listen, can I tell you, when you invite somebody to church, please, by all means, tell them to come as they are. Let me say that again. Please, by all means, tell them to come as they are. He was dressed in common robes. Worse yet, instead of riding on a white stallion, as a Roman conqueror would have done, Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Now, the people might have even been aware of the prophecy that was found in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Look at this. All the way back in the Old Testament, it was written, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. But he is just and having salvation, lowly. And riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. They may have been aware that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem that way. But they were unable or unwilling to connect this messianic prophecy to the man that they physically saw before them. So do you hear the scorn in their voices this morning and the sneer and even the contempt in their voices as they disdainfully dismissed Jesus and said, who is this? This was not the only time in scripture when news about Jesus was met with this kind of attitude and this kind of tone. You get a sense of the very same tone in John chapter 1 and verse 46 when Philip tells Nathanael that he wants to take him to meet Jesus whom Philip believes is the Messiah. And when Nathanael finds out Jesus comes from the small town of Nazareth, watch what he says. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, That kind of contempt for people from small towns is how many in the crowd viewed Jesus on that first Palm Sunday. Now let me say this. Probably nobody's going to shout on this one. But I'm sick and tired of seeing the... I'm not saying I see it happen here, but I see it happen in the church world. I'm sick and tired of, of seeing and hearing the contempt and the scorn of looking at people sometimes and saying, What were they doing there? Who do they think they are? They, they, they advertise, yeah, they may be on social media advertising all the sin that they're living in. They might have been drunk at the, at the hootenanny or the bar last night. Some of y'all thought that was a funny word, hootenanny. They might have been doing all kinds of sin that was public on Facebook or social media. But you know what they weren't doing? They weren't hiding it like a hypocrite like most of the people in the church. So when somebody says something like that to you, if it ever gets said, I want to tell you what I told somebody just a couple weeks ago who apologized to me for somebody who came in here who was higher than a kite. I said, listen, let me tell you something. When they're higher than a kite, when they're addicted to drugs, when they're addicted to alcohol, when they're addicted to homosexuality, when they're addicted to lesbianism, when they're an adulterer and a fornicator and doing everything you can imagine, this is exactly where they need to be. God helped the church, God helped the church to not dismiss people with the same kind of disdain that Jesus was dismissed with on that day. And as painful as it may be to our ears and our hearts, imagine that many people in Jerusalem had a similar perception of Jesus. Imagine them saying these words and not everybody See, that's the thing. Not everybody was, we want to preach this sermon and we want to shout and wave palm branches and all that. Not everybody was waving palm branches. Not everybody was celebrating. I want to tell you something today. The world is not going to celebrate when we're winning souls to the kingdom. I said the world is not going to celebrate when people are getting sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. The the world is not going to celebrate when we baptize eight or ten people at a time in that baptistry. But the church ought to be heard all around the city. The church ought to celebrate. Because the world is watching. Imagine there were those in the city who... There was a different kind of people. This is the next kind of tone. There were those who were legitimately, were, they were impressed by this one who could bring all kinds of crowds of people into the streets. And those people were cheering as he passed through. They may not have really known, listen to me, they may not have really known who Jesus was. But it was obvious that many other people did know him. Who is this, they said, that can cause people to, take off their coats and lay them down on the ground so that his donkey could walk over them. Who is this for whom people would tear palm branches off the trees and create a carpet and take the extras and wave them to him and shout, Hosanna. See, none of the, none of the priests in the temple were ever welcomed to the city that way. None of the leaders in the government, not even the Roman uh, emperor, governor, Pontius Pilate, nobody had ever received a hero's welcome like that. And there were some people in the city... Who were impressed with what they saw. Are you with me this morning? They were impressed with what they saw. And they wanted to know more about the man who had caused such a response. Can I tell you, when I told you a moment ago there are people watching you. There are people that are impressed by what they see. And when they're impressed, they want to know more about the man that you're worshiping. They want to know more about the God that you're praising. And so the question of the day on that first Palm Sunday remains the same question for us to consider on this Sunday over 2,000 years later. Who is this? This was not simply a matter of interest for the residents of Jerusalem. This is the question that is still being asked and answered today. Who is Jesus? And why should we pay attention to his teachings? Who is this Jesus and why have so many people put their lives under his authority? And yes, there are some people that are still contemptuous of Jesus today. Let me say that again. In this 21st century that we live in, there are still still people who are still contemptuous of Jesus today. Let me give you just one example. I don't have a child in primary education anymore. I do have some children in secondary education and on their way to post-secondary education. But if I did have one in the primary education, let me give some of you parents a word of advice right now. I can promise you and I'm not just whistling Dixie I served on the site based council for 15 years and anybody that I served with could tell you I'd stand up in a New York second for what I believed in and I want to tell you when they would teach my child in primary school about uh, sexual gender identification and about alternate lifestyles they would get to teach that to my child at the same time they let me come into the classroom and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and until I can preach the gospel They wouldn't be teaching that garbage to my kids. And if you think I'm lying, you ask my wife. I'd camp out on the doorstep of the school and I'd be there when they came in the next morning. I promise you one thing. There is a world full of people that are still contemptuous of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to allow everything else. But God forbid we stand up and speak. I wish the church would get a backbone again. I said I wish the church would get a backbone again. God didn't call us for us to whip her down like cowards in a corner. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. He gave us boldness. He said you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when you receive power, you will be a witness. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost is for. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I'm getting in a whole different vein right now. The Holy Ghost will make you speak in tongues, but he'll also make you hold your tongue and bite your tongue. But then you'll find yourself just like uh, the prophet did when he said, "Uh, It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep it in. I've got to let it out. I've got to preach the goodness of God. And in this 21st century today, there's an increasing number of people who... Feel this way. They're contemptuous about Jesus. And there's also people who are disinterested in religion in any form. And those people, they're not here this morning. They're not in church this morning. They're not being preached a Palm Sunday message. I want to tell you, there are still people in this city. I said in this city. And in every city and town around the world who are saying this morning, who is this? Who is Jesus? Why should I listen to him? In a world full of many religions and philosophies where people, sometimes people even believe all religions are the same and all roads lead to heaven. That's not right either. I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. I pray mine does. But I can tell you all roads don't get there. I'm, going to, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of anybody else's religion. But i got to say this morning, my hope like the songwriter said it, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Why do you think this word says, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. That don't leave nobody out. That don't leave none of the left aisle people out. Oh God help me this morning. That don't leave none of the activists out today. That don't leave none of the liberals out today. Every I don't care if they uphold all religions. Say all religions lead to heaven. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue one day will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. The other side of the question also applies today. There are people, and I'm almost done, who are overwhelmed by what they've heard and seen from Jesus and they wonder who is this that's able to do such marvelous things? Anybody in here this morning ever seen Him do something marvelous? Anybody ever seen Him do something wonderful? Who is this that can do this kind of thing? Then there's the story of Jesus found in the New Testament. Listen, there's books that have been written all over this world Christian books even they have a, a shelf life of a few months and some of them even a few years but then there's the story of Jesus found in this book can I tell you this book has been handed down from generation to generation it's still on the bestseller's list Woo! I said it's still on the bestsellers list It's been translated from one language Into another language Into another language This book has been handed down For approximately 2,000 years Kingdoms have risen And kingdoms have fallen Ideologies and philosophies have sprung up And some of them have gone out But all during all of that time And despite all the other voices Around us All the people are still lifting up the name of Jesus. I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Did you know when I talk about all other religions this morning, did you know that of all the other world religions that you can talk about, whether you're talking about Ivory Krishna, you're talking about Muhammad and Islam, you're talking about uh, Buddha and Buddhism, you're talking about Cows, I guess, and Hinduism, Lord help us, all the other religions that you're talking about. The only religion that you'll find. See, all those religions are based on what you do for them. I thank God this morning. My religion's not based on what I do. I thank God this morning my righteousness is as filthy rags before Him. See, I don't know about y'all, but I ain't perfect. I said that this morning and I shocked one of our elders. I said, who thinks I'm perfect? And she raised her hand on the back seat. I got news for you. I ain't perfect. I heard one of my favorite preachers say this way, this is free. It won't cost y'all nothing. It'll help some of y'all out that have problems saying bad words. See, some of y'all have problems saying bad words. Now my wife will tell you, I, that's not one of the things I have problems with. But now you cut me off on Main Street. I won't say bad words, but I'll let some arms fly. I'm like that little guy on Facebook that's got the Snapchat filter that's singing, How great is our God? Get out of the way! You know, that's, that's me. But some of y'all that have problems with bad words. I heard one of my favorite preachers say this week, and he's not one of those out there preachers. He preaches straight up word. He's not really all that popular, even in our movement anymore, because he's so old-fashioned and stand firm on the word. He said, I thank God for grace and mercy. He said, even when I say... One of them little bad words. I thought, my God, if he says bad words, I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. One of my favorite preachers I've ever heard. But Angie's mamaw used to put it like this. See, she taught us, and I don't know what y'all believe. Y'all are free to believe what you want to believe. But anyway, she taught us that some words were just by words. Now, I'm not giving you an excuse to cuss, so don't misunderstand me. Some words were just by words, but it was when you took the Lord's name in vain, that was when you were truly cursing. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense, and I believe that. But some of y'all still have a problem saying by words. So you need God's grace and mercy to help you with that. Say amen or owe me, somebody. Because, why is that important? Because this world's watching. They want to know about the Jesus you're in here to worship this morning. If they'll come to the music... Many people are living lives today that they couldn't have even imagined when they were younger. I'm I'm one of those people. Dennis is one of those people. Looking at a man on the third row right here that was raised up in a gang. He saw people killed and thrown over the side of a boat in the middle of the night with cinder blocks tied to their necks so they'd sink to the bottom of the lake. And the world—I don't even know why I'm saying this because he was here at 8:45 too, but. I'm sure there was people in the world that said, he'll never amount to nothing. He'll never, he'll never be anything but what he is. He comes from the wrong people. He comes from the wrong side of the tracks. He comes from those gangsters over there. He'll never be anything. But you're also looking at a man who's been sharing Jesus with the multiplied hundreds, maybe even thousands over the years. Why? Because he can tell you this morning who Jesus is. I said he can tell you this morning who Jesus is and what the power of God can do. So that's what people are saying. Who could take this? a man such as Peter, James, and John and turn him into fishermen from Capernaum? Turn him from fishermen in Capernaum to household names that everybody knows about. Who is this that could take a Pharisee named Saul, who was an opponent, if you will, to Christianity, and a single encounter on the Damascus Road could turn him into the chief proponent and preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very man whose name he tried to abolish. God used him greatly, mightily. Who is this who can take people who pass through the dark nights of sorrow and suffering, transform them into works, marvelous works of God. Who is this that can take the sons and daughters of poverty and limited means and bring them in to live lives of promise and prosperity and potential? You're looking at one of them this morning. My daddy passed away when I was nine years old. My mama worked three jobs just to keep the double wide trailer that we lived in. And there were people that said I'd never amount to nothing because I didn't have a daddy from the time I was nine for the rest of my life. But guess what? God has blessed me over and over and over and over and over and over again. Who is this? Only a sovereign God can do some of these things. See, that was the question in the crowds that day. And that's the question that stands here today waiting on every one of us to offer an answer today. Who is this? How do you speak the words of answering that question this morning? Do you speak them with scorn and contempt? Do you have a better view of Jesus? Do you agree with those throughout Israel who believed he was a prophet? That's what many of his followers said as Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day. They said this is Jesus of Nazareth the prophet from Galilee. All they could say was that He's like Isaiah, he's like Jeremiah, he's like Amos, or one of the prophets, or John the Baptist. That's what they said in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, that's the best that they could say. That was as far as their minds could reach about Jesus. And what they said was not wrong, but it was insufficient. Thank God for the one disciple, Uh, moving on to verses 15 and 16, when Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? In verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Now, watch what Jesus said then. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock What rock are we talking about this morning? Upon this rock. The rock is upon your profession of who Jesus is. That's what he said to Peter. Peter, upon this rock, upon your testimony of who you just said I am, I will build my church. Do you know how God wants to build the church today? It's upon your testimony and your testimony and your testimony and your testimony of who you say he is. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who is